Hello and welcome back to The Big Run. Today's guest is a Essex-based YouTube runner who has the catchphrase, aspire to run, run to inspire. Have you guessed who it is yet? He recently went all in and has committed to being a full-time run vlogger YouTuber. And he's a very handy runner as well with a 1534 5K, a 32.48 10K and a 74.17 half marathon. I sat down with him last week to hear all about his running journey, his time in Sweden and what marathon, his first marathon, he's planning on taking on. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to welcome Ben Felton. So Ben, thank you so much for for coming on the big run. Really, really interested to sort of dig into your kind of really kind of rapid rise on on YouTube that's that's happened in such a, a short space of time. Been watching lots of your videos; they're, they're fantastic and really enjoying following following thank your you your running journey. So let let's let's touch on that actually. Let's touch on your your kind of running journey because it's been relatively short, right? You've kind of only sort of got quite serious about your running in the last couple of years. Yeah, that is true. Um, so my running journey sort of started with a park run um, way back in, well, not way back. It's actually only 20, 2019, January 2019 um, was when I sort of started to get into the running side of things. Um, and I ran a 22 minute 45k, if I remember rightly. Um, and that was sort of my baseline fitness, having come from a sort of football background. I did a lot of sport um, as a as a teenager um, never was really um, good at anything in particular, but I had sort of a good level um, across a range of sports, if you if you know what I mean. But mm. um, yeah, the park run really was the start of of running for me in 2019, and ever since then, I've 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 been a runner. It's sort of been my sole sport. I gave up the football and and the lifting weights and stuff like that in the gym, and I've been doing that ever since. Really, what was it about running that kind of got its hooks into you in such a short space of time? Um, I think as a as a young kid at way back in school I used to do a lot of running um and I was sort of quite naturally gifted at it I remember doing a school cross country race um and then going on to sort of doing the county level stuff um and I did really enjoy it um but sort of fell out of fell out of um love with it in my early teens when sort of I don't know I just found that there was a lot of pressure placed on me to do to do well. I don't know if it, if there was, but in my head there was, and I sort of I didn't like that side of it, um, and just fell out of love with the sport really. And then took a good six seven year break, and then and then with the park run realised how much I did enjoy um, the running side of it, and got back into it. Because I did, I had I had a, I had a little sort of power of ten stalk before we jumped on this call, and I and I clocked a couple of there. Uh under 15 performances back in back in 2012 like yeah fairly fairly handy as well like in the Essex schools championships like because looking at your kind of progress in that relatively short space of time from that park run in 2019 to you know recently clocking like a 1534 I believe in in one of your most recent yep. 5ks like it's it's increased incredibly well do you think there was like a baseline of like good fitness from when you were from when you were younger that's kind of helped you in your progression recently I've always been a fairly good runner compared to say your average um person to take up the sport so I definitely would have some some natural talent there but I just really really got into it and I enjoy the training process I've always liked seeing what I'm capable of and and that has just led on to running more and more miles and the progression has sort of just come naturally as a result of that really. Mm, mm. 
And what, what about this sort of hinterland period where you kind of went away from running? Because did you spend a bit of time in Sweden? Because one of, before we recorded this, I put out on Instagram for people to send in their questions. And um, one of them was from, a fr- I believe, a friend of yours or someone who knows you out in Sweden called Ginger Is Running. And apparently yeah. you spent some time out. <laughs> my friend Adam, yeah. Is your friend Adam, right, right, yeah. right. He sent in uh, asking some questions like, so what was, the, what was the period in Sweden? What were you doing out there? Um, so linking back to sort of falling out of love with running, that was way back when I was, um, I think, 13, 14. I did one cross-country race and I came third from last. I was pretty sick at the end of the, the race, having pushed pretty hard. And I just thought, this isn't for me. I wasn't. I didn't feel like I had anything else to give on the day. Um, and it sort of, yeah, put me off it a little bit, the, the competitive side of, of running. And then I never really did it at all really until I went to university um, and then I did a few park runs with my friends there and and yeah found the love for it again um, and then straight after university I moved to Stockholm um, with my girlfriend um, she actually got a job with H&M as a as a fashion designer so mm. the opportunity arose and, and I uh, went out there with her straight after to university and we were we were only there for nine months actually we were planning to be stay there a little bit longer but with the coronavirus pandemic unfortunately we both lost our jobs at the time and had to come back to the UK um but yeah Stockholm for me was where I really got into into running on the second day of of moving out there I was keen to sort of meet new people and I thought what better way to do that than to join a local running club um Mm. and that is where I met Adam Ginger is running um and he actually inspired the whole Ben is running the whole YouTube Instagram oh is Um, that where the name comes from then that is where the name comes from so yeah massive shout out to my friend Adam um Mm. over in Stockholm and we met each other at um Sideline Running Club um and they meet every Tuesday and Saturday just for sort of a, a club run no competitive aspect to it whatsoever um just a, a casual run and then we had some food and some beers afterwards um, and yeah it was a really nice way of of not only exploring the city and finding out all the routes in Stockholm um, but yeah meeting loads of like-minded people from across the world really the club is really in, inclusive of of everyone so yeah if you're ever in in Sweden Stockholm then yeah Sideline are a very welcoming club and I'd definitely recommend Oh, head into lo- one of their their I, group runs i love it i love it were there were there any kind of takeaways about how the how people in sweden kind of approach running were there things that you were like oh i've never sort of encountered that before kind of different perspectives or like outlooks on 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 the sport um so in terms of um sideline it was much more about the community side of things in turn rather than the mm. training side of running um so yeah it was just in stockholm itself everyone seems to have a really good quality of life um and i think exercise and and lifestyle choices are a big part of that they have a a very much sort of um a very good work-life balance Mm. um so a lot of people are involved in sort of the running community fitness a lot more so than than in the uk i would say um and yeah that was the sort of um community i was introduced in stockholm um and then i eventually sort of built up my my running and and found that I was enjoying it even more. And I joined a sort of athletics club. So I went from a running club um, that was called Sideline to an athletics club called Fiedrichsoff. Um, and they trained, again, two times a week. Um, but they were much more a much more serious club. Um, and we sort of did intervals together. So I definitely learned a lot about my my training and my strengths as a runner from, from joining that club, um, mm. as well as my 
the community side of things from the original club sideline that I that I joined. What's the and just I just fascinated? What's the kind of the kind of club system like out in Sweden? Is it is it is it as healthy as the one that we have over in the UK? Um, if I'm totally honest, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Mm. Um, because the the club I joined was very much a, a Swedish club, so right. I had one friend that would sort of translate the um, of course, the, yeah. the Swedish into English, um, and I never really had a chance to compete for the club. I would just go along to their interval sessions, which right. were yeah definitely um, on the brutal side of things. Oh, really? Um, they were they quite hardcore? Yeah, very much so. They got some some really talented runners. Um, obviously, being the capital, that I think it was some of the best runners in in the country were part of this club. Um, what are we talking like? What are we talking sort of typical uh, typical session that if you got the email through about it, you'd be like, mm, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, one of them I remember was 25 times 400 metres off something ridiculous, like 25 seconds recovery. Oh. And yeah, it was pretty much flat out efforts. You'd, you'd turn around and then you'd have to go again. And it, yeah, I can just remember from about the fifth rep, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is some serious stuff. <laughs> I'm oh, going to feel it. I feel like the, the the sort of that whole kind of the Scandinavians they that the, there's I I don't want to sort of conflate it and be like oh it's like Viking blood or whatever but they're 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 pretty like the the Finns the the Swedes like the in, the, the Norwegians like there's a there's a real kind of toughness and like fortitude uh, around yeah, definitely. them like a real kind of hardcore they definitely work hard that's for sure oh man what an experience as well to quite kind of to kind of train amongst them as well one of the biggest things I miss about being over there was the depth of people in the club so i was definitely in the the weaker side of um runners within the the athletics club that i joined i think there was we were sort of split into four groups and i think i was in the third group mm-hmm. the, the first group was yeah had some really talented sort of like sub 14 minute 5k runners that would still be doing the same sessions as you so you get to to experience the sort of training they were doing but obviously a lot faster um and a lot of it was sort of threshold training so you'd basically all start together and then you'd work your way into little micro packs within the within the group um but yeah I learned I learned a lot from from the the training over there and my the coach who um coached me when I was in Stockholm um still sends me his um the interval training that they're doing on a on a weekly basis so I can still sort of get a, a gist of what how their training is and and how they've progressed uh, that must be quite interesting to have that, and then you're kind of you're now you're now local kind of AC and kind of sort of comparing and contrasting and maybe sort of do you sort of cherry pick elements from from yeah, them definitely. sometimes? Yeah, sometimes I I have a look at the email and I see there's an, a nice workout. Um, yeah, I sort of implement it into my training and and take some of the sessions that I did when I was in Stockholm and and yeah, put them into into place over in the UK now. Nice, nice. So let's kind of follow on that sort of trajectory then. So you've you had to come back from from Sweden, kind of with COVID and and everything else. So what was the kind of journey from coming back to the UK to sort of where where we are now then? Yeah, well, in terms of the the coronavirus, it's actually a pretty sudden um, sort of change in in location for myself, my girlfriend Meg. Um, her dad, unfortunately, was quite ill with with COVID hmm. um, during the sort of first wave of the pandemic, and he was in hospital. Um, he didn't have to go on, on ventilation, but he was very, very close. Um, so we were keen to get back to the country pretty quickly, just in case his sort of health deteriorated. Thankfully, he made a, a pretty much full recovery. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit scary at the time. Mm. Um, my girlfriend lost her 
her job with H&M, unfortunately, they had to start making cutbacks. And I was working in a, a restaurant at the time as a, as a chef. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said to me, basically, my hours were going to be reduced um, because nobody was going to work. So there wasn't any sort of lunch crowd to, to feed anymore. Um, during, that was during the, the pandemic. So, yeah, both of us were basically in a position where we, we'd lost our, our jobs, our ways of basically staying in the country. We couldn't really um, pay our rent or anything like that anymore. So we made the decision to come back um, and we had to quarantine for two weeks. We stayed with a, a friend when we came back in their sort of log cabin, which was actually really, really nice. nice. Um, it was in the height of a British summertime, I think the first lockdown, and we had some really nice weather. So yeah, it was almost like a, a mini holiday um, back in the UK before we then moved back in with uh, my girlfriend's parents. Um, mm. But yeah, that's that's the reason why we sort of left um, Stockholm and came back to the UK. And we have looked at, at maybe going back out there. But um, yeah, things with, with Brexit and the ongoing pandemic have made it quite difficult. So I think for the time being, we're we stay and put in the in the UK, but mm. yeah, that's that's a bit of a, it. Was a bit of a shame, really, to to end Stockholm so so quickly. But yeah, we we absolutely loved our time over in in Sweden, and I think we've well, I know we've got um, a holiday actually planned at the end of this month. We're going back for a week, so oh, lovely! Be nice to, to catch up with people um, with both Sideline and Fridrikssoft over there, and our, our friends that we made that we haven't seen in a yeah good almost two year period now. Oh God, just, just chatting to you just makes me, God, it feels like after, you know, the past sort of 18 months, just hearing people talk about travel is just so exciting. I interviewed someone a couple of days ago who's based out in Chamonix and it was just, oh, just get, makes you want to go and book a plane ticket. Anyway, enough about that. Yeah, um, that Can't two- wait to hopefully get yeah. traveling again soon. Well, there might, well, there might be some, uh, there might be some races that might take you abroad, but we'll touch on that. Uh, we'll touch on that a bit later. That two sure. weeks sort of, um, that two weeks where you were kind of isolating in the in the kind of log cabin, that must have been quite like obviously enforced because of the regulations and stuff. But yeah. was that quite a nice kind of reset for you both to kind of take stock of things a little bit? Yeah, it really was. And that's exactly what we, we did, really, um, because obviously changing from from being in a really busy city and and taking part in all these activities to then come back to some sort of peace was actually quite a nice and allowed us to to yeah take in and what had what had happened the the experience we'd had in in Stockholm um but also yeah the situation in the UK it was sort of a nice way of of coming back into it and and resetting after that sort of stressful period of trying to um leave our uh, rented accommodation we had to leave a lot of stuff behind because we couldn't um couldn't take it at such short notice so we had to get rid of quite a lot of stuff in terms of clothing and possessions that we sort of hadn't anticipated of having to bring back so soon so Mm. yeah it was a nice sort of reset staying in the in the cabin to then jump back into into the pandemic over here in the UK (laughs) it's interesting it's interesting those kind of those moments where you're kind of forced be it from whatever work a global pandemic or just just life I suppose is the sort of the the easiest way of summating that like but it's always interesting what it kind of forces you to do or what it brings about like because did you did you come because there was a question that came in from uh clinton who asked about you giving up your cooking and kind of going full time into being a runner into being a youtuber was was this period part of where you were starting to make that kind of decision did you come back and get a job cooking first and then decide to sort of go was kind of all in 
with the running and, and being a YouTuber? Yeah, so um, when we came back from Stockholm, the first job I could actually get was a, a barista at Starbucks. Right. Um, I didn't last very long, only about three months. Um, and then I got into into chefing again, into a, into a cafe. Um, and I was doing that job up until probably about two or three months ago. Um, but all throughout this period, I was sort of building up the level I was training at, doing a lot more miles with the, especially during the, the lockdown I had, basically I was living the life of a, a professional runner, getting up and, and doing double days and sort of mm. building my mileage up to sort of almost to the 100 mile week um, mark at some points, because that was literally all we had to do, especially when we were, were staying in the in the cabin and um, during the lockdown period. But yeah, I went from um, well working at Starbucks back into the chefing job um and that's when the YouTube sort of started to to pick up I started documenting um my running over here on on YouTube and uh yeah as things sort of progressed I decided to to take the plunge um I've always enjoyed um cooking and the chefing side of things but my passion has always been um running and I I saw the window to start basically making a bit of a living from um documenting my running and I haven't looked back since was it quite nerve wracking that 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 decision when you when you kind of handed in your notice to to the to the chef job? Was there a little bit of like the sort of a, a gulp kind of swallowing moments like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it was it was a hard decision to make, but after I'd made it, I was I was confident that it was the right one, mm. um, and I knew that it wasn't going to be like sort of a straightforward transition. It's not like leaving one job and and jumping into another because um with the youtube side of things obviously being more self-employed now it's very much dependent on the the content that i make and the amount of hours and time i put into it um directly affects the amount of sort of money i can earn from the platform hmm. um so there was a quite a lot of like financial un- uncertainty really um surrounding whether i was going to be able to sort of make a living from doing youtube more full time um i sort of had an idea that of the sort of income I could generate, but I had no idea really because um, I'd never had the time to sort of fully 100% commit to to the content creation, which is what I've done over the last two or three months. And it, yeah, it's gone really well. Um, mm. Things have progressed a lot a lot faster actually than I had anticipated, which is only good news really. But um, yeah, it definitely was a hard decision to to leave the the chefing sort of um, job, but it's. It's also something that I can come back to if, say, the running, the running doesn't work out for me. Yeah, exactly. It's such a, it's such a kind of skill that you can kind of, well, you can take it anywhere with you, really. Like it's such a good skill to have in the, in the back pocket, so, so to speak. But I'm interested yeah. in that, that kind of beginning stage. I had another question from Ian Runs who wanted to know about kind of beginning, like as, as a YouTuber and kind of your kind of uh, the, the sort of the learning curve, I suppose, like the first moments of kind of getting used to talking to camera or, you know, and having that, like establishing that relationship with camera, like learning about editing and, and putting music to the, to the videos and like how to make a YouTube video. Like what, what was that journey yeah. like and process like for you? Um, so when I was at university, I was quite heavily involved in sort of the media side of things. I've always been a keen photographer um, and I got into making sort of films and, and documentary style stuff at university. Sort of, I went to, uh, the University of East Anglia, and I, I joined the UEA TV, it was called. Mm. Um, I joined the club over there. So that's where I learned all about editing and filming and that sort of thing. 
Um, and then with being at university, I sort of made um, a lot of vlogs around being being a student, the sort of student life. Um, so actually, I think before I made the transition to, to starting running videos, I made probably about 100 um, videos on YouTube already about, about student life. Um, which a lot of people actually don't know about the channel. I then rebranded it to to Ben is Running. I think about two years ago now. But yeah, before that, I was I was documenting my time at university. All the videos are still online, so you can, oh, okay. you can go back and have a little look at them if you wish. Um, so yeah, the 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 vlogging and documenting my running sort of slowly came naturally from my sort of skill set from the media side of things that I did at university. Um, and then, yeah, it definitely takes some time to to start talking to a camera. It doesn't doesn't feel natural at first, especially editing your your own voice. I'm sure you know the mm, oh yeah, <laughs> you listen back and you sometimes think, did I really say that and that sort of thing. But yeah, you get used to it over a good it it takes a good couple of months, I would say, to to um, to get used to it. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying documenting my my running as as much as ever really on YouTube at the moment. I suppose that's the, probably the that's the kind of main thing, isn't it? Is like if you're enjoying what you're talking about or what you're communicating to an audience, then it that's the kind of the sort of the secret sauce almost. Do you think? Yeah, do you think that's definitely. what you put it down to with like how quickly you've grown over the past couple of months? Yeah, I basically just um, film like what I was what I'm going to be doing anyway. So I don't try and generate content that's going to get views or um, like do make training sessions expect like really hard so that everyone sees how hard I'm working I just naturally film what I was going to what I'm going to be doing in terms of my training um and then hope that that people can take stuff away from it and and apply it to their own training basically yeah and yeah that's that's probably my my secret source I would say is just staying authentic and and filming what I was going to be going to be doing anyway basically Mm. and is there like another question came in about what sort of gear that you need to sort of start youtubing was there is there a specific camera that you'd recommend or are there things that you need or is it more about just kind of just working with what you've got um yeah so for the first probably 100 videos i made was with just with my iphone i think okay um they're a great piece of kit that you can basically do anything as on in terms of making youtube videos and i know a lot of people that you can even edit YouTube videos on your phone now and and post them straight from your phone. So mm. I definitely recommend if you're thinking about maybe making some videos surrounding um, your training, then just start with your your iPhone, see how you get on. Um, and then I I found that I enjoyed it, so I invested in a camera. I use a, a Canon G7X. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a little point and shoot camera, and it sort of has a flip screen that I can sort of see myself recording, which definitely helps um and i literally just press record and um yeah the re- the camera does the rest for me which i like i do have a um a bigger camera sort of a dslr mm. that i use for more cinematic stuff but uh the majority of the filming on my channel is just on a little point and shoot camera yeah just keep it keep it simple there's less for less for you to sort of think about in terms of sort of setting up and the kind of uh, the nuts and bolts of, of shooting and stuff like that yeah definitely so let's get back to running a little bit. We kind of went off on a slight YouTube tangent there, but it's always interesting, I think, because a lot of people, do, I think a lot of people are, especially now, and I think you're kind of a perfect example of it. I suppose I am in a certain way as well. Like that kind of the the pandemic kind of caused a lot of people to to kind of double down 
on something that perhaps they were slightly interested in, be it YouTube or, or podcasting or kind of content creation and kind of kind of go all in. I think so it's it's quite yeah. interesting. I think that's sort of I think there's gonna be a whole generation of people who are doing exactly what you're doing and, and kind of going for it with something they've kind of been previously interested in. But I'm also interested in you as a runner because you're very talented as well. And you've recently, well, not recently, you explored the um, the ultra distance as well last year. And one question that came in was that, do you have any aims for any longer ultra runs after your 50K last year? Because I know it, it didn't quite go to plan your 50K last year, did it? No, that's right. Yeah, I really enjoyed the the training process of, of doing my first ultra marathon, um, yeah, building up the mileage, focusing a lot more about um, time on my feet. So I would focus on getting, say, two-hour long runs rather than than a distance-based um, long run. Um, and yeah, the actual race itself didn't go um, to plan. I actually had some stomach cramps on the day uh, around the twenty k mark in the on the fifty k course. So it was a pretty hard day out. Um, I managed to get to the finish line just about. I had to walk the last eight kilometers with my my sister actually did the the last 8k with me um because i basically my body had, had given up i couldn't i couldn't run anymore mm. um so the actual race didn't didn't go very well but i recently made a video on my sort of top three races of the year and and the stour valley 50k which is the race i did actually was my favorite race of the year just because of the experience um i learned a lot about um myself as as a runner and as a person and overcoming that sort of adversity that the ultra marathon distance um brings it's definitely a lot more about um keeping your head and the mental side of of running uh, opposed to just being pure about fitness um which is what i really really enjoyed so yeah i'm i've got the the 50 kilometer races back in my race calendar for this year um i haven't got any plans um in the immediate future to do anything longer than the 50 kilometer distance i feel like i've I've still got to nail that sort of distance first before I think about doing anything longer. Mm. Um, but definitely more long term, say in in the next three or four years, I'll, I'll build up the distance to doing maybe more like a hundred kilometer race or maybe even a hundred miles eventually. Um, just love the challenge side of of running as well. For me, my sort of running journey isn't just about running fast like PBs and times. It's about the experiences and and yeah, I love the sort of trail running community because of that side of, of things you get out there and can explore places. And yeah, it's very much about sort of, um, sort of exploring the environment, which I really in, enjoy as well, which is why I'm keen to do a bit more traveling as well with the, with the running in the next few years. Mm, it's interesting. You just, you said then when you were doing the, the 50 K you learned a lot about yourself. Like what was the, what was the kind of internal monologue when you were, when it was not quite going to plan? Like what were some of the take homes that you got out of that experience? Yeah. So for me, I, I trained what I thought was, was really hard for the race. Um, and I thought I was well prepared. Um, but on the day, unfortunately things didn't go, didn't go to plan. So that was a bit of a, a bit of pill to swallow if you like, because, um, I felt like I'd, I'd put all this effort into the training and on the day it just it just didn't go to plan and unfortunately with running that just happens some days um you can put in months and months of training for your for a marathon and then on the start line you just feel terrible maybe you you're under the weather or the legs just don't turn up on the day so I definitely learned that um no matter how much training you can you do for an event or how prepared how prepared you think you may be like you have to 
also prepare yourself for when things don't go so well. Um, and that was probably the first experience I had as a runner of of not achieving a goal and and things not going to plan. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a, a big lesson I learned from that race. Mm, mm, it's always interesting. I think uh, I feel like ultras are are very good for that of like, well, I suppose as well, because just the, the sheer amount of time that you have with yourself as well mm. to to kind of go through all of that kind of mental dialogue of of what maybe has gone right or what's not necessarily worked this time around. You know, you've got plenty of time on feet to, to think through things. And yeah. I'm going to follow Real that up. I'm going to follow that up with a slightly expansive question that came in, which I don't think there is an actual answer for, but someone, okay. uh, someone jumped in on Instagram and wanted to know, are half tights or split shorts faster? Bit of a careful <laughs> question there for you. And I don't think there is, is there an answer to that question? I don't think there is. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I personally use both. Um, I probably say I would sway more towards half tights at the moment. Um, but no, yeah, it's just a personal preference, really. Um, for the cross country race I had at the weekend, I wore half tights, and for the week, the race, the weekend before, I wore half, I wore split shorts. So, yeah, it just it just depends really on on personal preference. The debate continues. There never will, <laughs> there never will be, uh, there never will be an answer. You've been doing quite a lot of cross country recently as well. Are you, are you, are you quite a fan of cross cross country and destroying your dragonflies that I saw you managed to sort yeah. of bring back to life uh, on Instagram? Um, yes, yeah, so I was just keen to give it a give it a go. I did some cross country races as a kid um, and was quite successful. Um, and then, yeah, the the opportunities uh, came came about. Sort of last year was my first year I say as a competitive runner it's the first year I really got to compete um and I I love com- the competitive side of running so any any opportunity to sort of do any races and experience I sort of jump straight into hence why I do a range of of races I did some mile races last year and oh yeah all the way up to the 50k that we were just talking about um but yeah the short answer is I just I just love to race so if the, if there's a race on then um, I'm more than likely to be signing up for it mm. And uh, are there any other distances that you've yet to explore that you're considering taking on? Um, yeah, well, this year actually will be, is the year of the marathon for me is what I'm sort of calling yes. it. Um, so, yeah, I actually recently just signed up for the Copenhagen Marathon in May, which will be my first ever marathon, which is a bit of a, a surprise considering I've done a, a 50k ultra. It's not, mm. u- not the sort of usual um, transition. I sort of just jumped into into the 50k distance having having not really done anything over the half marathon um but yeah i'm going to dial it back a little bit and and do my first ever road marathon more just for the experience really um just to see what a big mass participation event is like having never really done one before Mm. um and yeah test my body again over that sort of that marathon distance which will definitely be probably one of my biggest challenges to date will you be taking the camera with you for the race definitely yeah has to come with me now. Oh, so you're going to vlog it as well for your first marathon? Oh, is that is there not a slight? I'm obviously I'm not a YouTuber, but like, is there not a slight trepidation? Well, I suppose that's part of the journey, isn't it? Like, if it doesn't, well, if you have a bit of a a bit of a horror show later on in the marathon, yeah. you're going to be holding onto the camera and documenting all of that as well. Yeah, definitely. When it comes to my sort of races, I like to try and find a balance between documenting it and and also racing it. But I think because this will be the first time I've ever um done a marathon so it'll be much more about completing it rather than running as fast as I possibly can so um having the camera will definitely slow me down 
a little bit, especially when I'm doing the sort of talking segments. Um, I'll have to have to slow down the pace a little bit. But yeah, like I said, the marathon for me this year will be much more about completing the distance rather than running a super fast time. Maybe if I was more more concerned about hitting some sort of time goal, I would leave the camera and the sidelines a bit more. But yeah, I'm looking forward to documenting the whole process of the the training, the racing, um, yeah, and exploring Copenhagen. I think it would be really fun to to do mm. a major city marathon like that. There's got to, I sh- there's got to be some sort of training benefit for people like you and like Andy Rainey, who's been on the show, and and Seth and and Ben Parks and and the like of constantly running and talking at the same time and holding a camera. There's got to be some <laughs> sort of like aerobic sort of study that needs to happen for like the aerobic develop you know the aerobic kind of advantages for narrating your run. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> definitely something you you have to practice because. You, you you need to build up your arm muscles and and learn to <laughs> and learn how to run basically with one arm because yeah biomechanics can be a little bit um, difficult when it comes to to filming in one hand and trying to maintain sort of pace um, with the other hand. Yeah, because I've seen some of your videos. You've taken it out for like K reps and stuff where you're really kind of going at a lick. Like, does that does that start to hurt after a while? I used to film with a sort of bigger camera. I've recently got um, this tiny little. Um, it's called an Insta360. It's mm-hmm. a very small, like, bits in the palm of my hand, basically. It weighs mm-hmm. virtually nothing. So, oh, okay. Um, it's, other than having my hand out at an awkward angle, you can't really feel the weight of the camera anymore. So that's made things a lot easier. So I don't actually find it too difficult, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. um, especially for short periods. The clips I sort of film are only for 15, 20 seconds. So for that duration, it doesn't really make much difference in terms of, the speed or or my form for the overall sort of rep if you like and how because you you mentioned earlier about your uh your younger sister sort of helping you walk the the sort of final stages of the ultra and seeing some some members of your family and some of your videos like what's their take on your kind of new career as a as a youtuber yeah they're really supportive they come to every single race pretty much um that i do and help with the the film in the youtube side of things documenting um yeah the support is is amazing i'm i'm very lucky to have have such a supportive family um to have my mum dad's sister sister's boyfriend girlfriend even sometimes my girlfriend's family are out there helping film <laughs> stuff so yeah i have a lot of support from from my family which i'm very grateful for um especially sort of taking the leap from going from a quite tradition, traditional job to certainly one that is a lot less traditional, if you like. Mm, and just sort of going on that, going back a little bit on that tangent of it as a, as a job, like obviously you're documenting what you're doing, but is there, I mean, are you trying to generate a certain number of videos per week? Are you kind of like planning out like, okay, this day I'm going to film, this day I'm going to edit, this day I'm going to publish. Is there like a, is there a rigor and a discipline to it in, in the same way that you would for, for training with running to use a yeah, kind of lazy I metaphor? Yeah, I say so. Um, at the moment, I sort of aim for around three videos a week, which is sort of what's naturally um, occurred over the last few months of sort of making them, this transition. Um, it definitely sort of helps to stay consistent with with making making the videos in terms of engagement and, and maintaining the views, and which obviously translate into to revenue. Um, so yeah, try to aim for around three, three or four videos a week, um, on YouTube. Does it ever become, well, I suppose because it is, is, is your job. Like, are you, do you ever sort of think like, 
what am I going to talk about today? Do you ever have those moments of like, oh, or, or you're not in the mood to like put a camera in front of your face and just talk talk to yeah, it? Yeah, definitely some days it's it's easier than others. Um, I like to jot down ideas all the time. So I've got a sort of um, post-it notes all over the wall of ideas of future videos, um, which definitely help when it comes to days where I'm feeling a little bit less motivated. Mm. Um, I sort of pick a topic and can sort of, um, sometimes start a video and it will come quite naturally. Whereas other days, it, um, for example, races where I'm feeling really nervous, the last thing I want to be doing at the, mm. at the at the start of a race sometimes is saying, "Oh yeah, I'm just doing my warm up. I'm getting ready to race." Sometimes you just want to get into that zone. So, yeah, it can be can be difficult, but on the grand scheme of things, I absolutely love it. It's it's what I my, I'm passionate about. Um, so yeah, I'm just thankful for that the that the opportunity is there to to make somewhat of a career out of it. Mm, long may it continue as well, because it's it's really exciting following your journey and, and looking forward, like looking forward to the to the future, like for the rest of this year. Are, are there any other kind of goals or things you want to do in terms of, of, of running or, or YouTube? Have you got any sort of exciting uh, videos planned or yeah, any things like kind of aspirations for, for the future? Um, yeah, the Parkrun series um, I started last year. Um, so I want to do a lot more videos um, for that series so if you're not familiar with it I sort of go to a new park run um, as close to every Saturday as I can providing I don't have a race um, so I'm looking to do that a lot more sort of around Europe across the country especially so taking more time to travel to, to park runs and hopefully do more collaborations with um, not only YouTube runners but more like um, professional athletes just to get um, insights onto their training and just to run a park run with them at their sort of local room mm. for me sounds like a really sort of exciting um, videos and series that I'm I'm looking forward to making on the channel um, and just yeah just traveling a little bit more if I can um, with the running side thing so I'm not just filming my training um, going down to my local sort of road where I'm doing the kilometer repeats I want to sort of make it a lot more about exploring and and seeing more of the world um, and running communities that that are across Europe and yeah across the world I think it's great like I love that I mean you should I don't know I don't know how accessible it is but you know they do parkrun in prisons as well like would there be a world where you could maybe join in on one of them I don't know you probably have to yeah, get all measure no of security clearance I'm not sure how that yeah. would work but I love it. It would make for an interesting video, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be awesome. And I love the idea. I think that's a great idea of like, because elites do use park runs as a serious kind of component of their of their training. Like, I think that would be an awesome idea for a video for you to kind of join them on a park run and like get an insight and then maybe interview them afterwards or something. I think that's yeah, an awesome idea. Awesome, man. Awesome. Um, so that's really exciting. Lots of exciting things, things to come. And thank you as well for uh, fielding some of the some of the listeners' questions. The uh, split shorts half tight debate will continue to rage, I imagine, for for decades to come. But I did send you two questions in advance, which are quite sort of big, kind of expansive questions that we've been asking to um, a lot of our guests recently and always very intrigued to see how people interpret them. So the first one is, what has been your biggest failure and what has it taught you? Yeah, so it's definitely an interesting question. Um, I definitely, I wouldn't like to call the the 50 kilometre race last year a failure, but I definitely learned a lot about how to pace things, how to fuel events um, from things not going to plan. Um, so in terms of a failure, that would probably 
be one thing that comes to mind. Another thing is sort of I started my my running journey, if you like, at, at 21. I was quite late into the sport. Um, and in hindsight, I would have loved to have run whilst I was at university more competitively and, and got involved in, in the uni sort of um, athletics competitions that take place. So that would be one of the sort of um, things that I look back on now that I wish I'd done more when I was at, at university and, and school. But um, yeah, I think with failure in, in running, it's really important to to take lessons from from when it doesn't go well and apply it to to future races so that you can yeah you can make amendments and with the beauty of running you can basically um have days where it doesn't go to plan and then sign up for another race in in a few weeks time put another two or three um weeks or months of training in and then you can have a completely different result so yeah i like to to build on the failures in my sort of running journey and and learn from them and apply them more to to races in the future um that's definitely helped me sort of grow as a runner mm, i love that i think that's really really lovely response because i suppose with the word failure it's obviously it's got very big negative connotations but i think mm-hmm. you're exactly right with how you kind of interpret it there like it's a way with running in particular is there's a way of reframing that and actually using failures as a way to kind of compound uh different lessons to ultimately turn you into a, a better runner in the long run yeah, and kind of seeing 100%. it in, in that perspective I love that. That's brilliant. Um, okay. Second expansive question. Is there or are there any myths within the running world or within the, the running YouTube world or, or anything at all that you would like to take this opportunity to debunk? Um, not really, to be honest. Um, I feel like a lot of people who watch my videos um, put me on a pedestal sometimes and think I'm some sort of running expert where in reality, I'm just, I'm just a normal guy who's, who's putting in, um, training and, and efforts that everybody else is doing. So I get a lot of questions about like shoes and types of training. And my advice to people would be just to try and, um, yeah, have some sort of way of figuring out yourself. Cause for example, the training that I do won't necessarily work for everyone. Um, same with shoes a lot of people ask me what what shoes would you use for this sort of run um and and the short answer really is that no shoe is going to work the same for me as it will for you so um i definitely would recommend sort of getting out there and experiencing um sort of the training and and the running gear for yourself um and yeah just that would probably be a, one of the myths is that I'm I'm nothing special in terms of, of of running knowledge. All of the knowledge I get is either from YouTube or from experience. So, um, yeah, sometimes I get a lot of questions where people think I'm some sort of expert, but in reality, I'm just an I'm just a normal guy. I love that. I think that's a lovely myth to to debunk, and I think there's there's incredible value in that thing of just experience it for, for yourself, you know, uh, uh, explore, play around with different shoes, different training, like find what works best for you. I think yeah. it's always tempting to be, um, to be tempted by a sort of silver bullet of, of kind of running knowledge, thinking that, it, that it might work for you, be it a trainer or, or a nutritional bit of advice. But I think, yeah, that's very good advice there to, for, to encourage people to go and uh, explore and, and see, see what works for them. And that feels like a, a lovely note to, 
to end our conversation on. Ben, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for fielding all my slightly uh, ping-ponging kind of questions. We kind of danced all around various different subjects there, but thank you for coming on and being such a, a brilliant guest on The Big Run. Oh, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Big thank you to Ben for coming on and sharing his running journey with us here on The Big Run. And best of luck for your very first marathon. I still don't know how he runs and vlogs at the same time. That, that amazes me. I can barely yeah, can barely talk, especially when I'm doing a, a workout. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've been enjoying the first episode of The Training Diary that went out on Saturday morning with myself and Marcus Brown sharing our insights into our marathon training as we move towards Seville Marathon. Hopefully there's going to be another one of those next week week as we get closer and closer to Seville. I hope you've been enjoying those. Please do send in your own long run stories. You can email me at the uh, bigrunpodcast at gmail.com or get in touch with me on the Instagram at the big run podcast and we will feature them in that episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow on Instagram at the big run podcast and uh, if you're able to get out there and uh, go for a run. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.